You're listening to episode 158 of the Mad Chatters podcast, October 4th, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Matthew. I'm glad to be at this. And Jeremy. And I won't back down. For the second week in a row on this show. You've been to Disney World. (laughs) No, (laughs) not... Quite. Uh, what I was going to say is Epcot is taking center stage once again. But whereas last week we talked about past Epcot and how far it has come, today we're talking about very, very current events. We're going to be discussing some food and wine. And I'm also going to be get, doing some on-the-scene reporting from the 35th anniversary that took place on Sunday. But before that... Is it okay if I do a quick rundown of some other things I experienced this weekend? Yes, we give you permission to do this. Okay, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Okay, so shortly after Matt and I recorded last week's show, I think it was the day after, uh, some blogs were reporting that the construction walls were down at Grand Avenue in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, So I made a point to head over there during my trip. Okay, so to kind of show you where this is, like, you know how construction walls have been up for a while, and that has been blocked off. So kind of, you can walk past Tatooine Traders, but to your right is just that wall. Like, all the way to Muppets, it was just a wall. Well, now you can't walk back by Tatooine Traders. Instead, you have to walk around a wall to get to Muppets. And now, when you go around that wall, to your right is Grand Avenue. And it it's like it butts up right against Sci-Fi Dine. And so it is exactly where Rider Stop used to be. Mhm. Yeah. And in Rider Stop's place is Baseline Tap House. And it looks like I mean you've seen pictures, right? Yeah, I have so far. So, I mean, what is your take on it? Um, you know the logo on the outside? Um, it looks it looks really nineties to me. I thought I thought it would be the kind of like just a sleek, kind of basic not that I don't like it, but I, I was thinking like baseline tap house sounds like hipstery, like sleek font, you know, just black on white or something. But I, I like the way it looks on the inside. Very hipstery, uh industrial vintage stuff going on inside. Yeah, see, actually, now that you say that, the sign to me feels modern. Like, you know how the the uh, the style now is to get those big letters? Uh, like, if your last name starts with L, you get all the different shapes of L's and hang them on your wall. Like, or set them up on bookshelves or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of what they did for baseline. Like, it's different fonts for each letter. Mm. Yeah, I think that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you really feel about it? Uh, I, I actually kind of like the pictures. Uh, you posted pictures of this, correct, on the 
Match Headers Instagram at Match Headers on Instagram and Twitter. That's uh, true. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I like the the idea of it, and it looks it looks nice. Um, I wonder though if Ellen would like the writers stop back uh, as you know she called out and she wants her animatronic back yeah. from Disney. Maybe she wants that too because that was based on her sitcom. Maybe so. I, I just I don't really get where they're going with this. Like it looks great. Um, it said, you know, the blog post said they're going for a modern inspired L.A. or inspired by modern day L.A. or something like that. And they, they do. They've nailed that. But, like, why? See, but here's the thing. I Now, granted, I have not been to modern – what is the theme again? Modern what L.A.? Uh, like um, revitalized urban L.A. Okay. I have not been to revitalized modern urban L.A. I have been to – Anaheim Disneyland, and that's it. Um, Have you been to any new restaurant in Nashville? (laughs) No. But that's the thing. I don't really get... It doesn't scream L.A. to me when I see it. It just screams like... uh, Like like Matt said, any kind of uh, hipstery, hip sort of uh, portion of any city. That's so right. This could easily be a neighborhood in Nashville. Yeah. I think they're going for. I mean, I don't know about theming, and I, again, I don't know anything about modern LA, whatever it is either. But um, I think they're going for a pl- like a hangout, like a chilly kind of place in the park, something that hasn't really ever existed there uh, at Hollywood well, Studios. I'm wondering if they're looking for like a buffer zone between Star Wars Land and yeah. Toy Story Land that's going to be a little less uh, on the nose. Yeah. And it's spacious, right? It's it's open. It is. I mean, it's basically half of New York Street. Like that. That's what it is. In the same way that it's it's you can't go inside any of the buildings. It's completely impractical. Like it looks great, and you're gonna walk. You walk by like three or four facades on this Grand Avenue, and then you see the wall where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge entrance is gonna be. And I'm picturing me standing there with Muppets on my left. And these facades on my right, and then Star Wars is right in front of me. It just seems like it might be a little jarring. It kind of sounds to me like out at DCA, where they have like Bugs Land and and uh, Cars Land, and then they have like the Pacific Wharf area. That's <laughs> that's a little less um, busy, but that's a good word. Not not as busy of an area. Do you feel like having seen it that they've done so much work on it? And they've and they, like it's. Do you think it's such a big project that it doesn't seem temporary? Yeah, no, it's it's there to stay for sure. And don't get me wrong, it looks really, really great. Um, I, it, but it, it looks like a neighborhood in a city, and I just don't know where they're going with this. But I think once they take down the walls and like you can see Pizza Rizzo and Muppets and these facades all together, it will kind of feel like a little neighborhood, which is kind of quaint to be in a theme park. So yeah, I think. Somewhere for people to go and, you know, with the baseline tap house and all the other things, grab a couple little appetizers and some beer, whatever, you know, people want to sit outside and chill and drink. And yeah, that'll be a nice, it'll be a nice little, a little chillaxed area in, in what will soon be a very, very hectic park. Yeah, I think you're right. It does have outdoor seating. Like you said, it's got like the popcorn string lights overhead, which will look nice at night. And it's got that mural I took a picture of that that Jeff Baru, who's been on our show, he pointed out it's basically a carbon copy of the Red Car Trolley attraction poster, but they switched out the Carthay Circle Theater for the Hollywood Tower Hotel in the background. 
He's just mad because they don't have the Tower of Terror anymore. So <laughs> he's, he's from Pennsylvania. He's not a Disneyland guy. Yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> I thought he was. No, Sorry, I don't pay attention Pauly. to you, Jeff. <laughs> Let's not put in that. No, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Behind the curtain. So anyway, that's Grand Avenue. But believe it or not, I think I spent more time in Hollywood Studios than Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom combined. I went there twice, uh, mostly because on the first day I forgot to do one of the things I wanted to do, so I went back. I went there first thing Monday morning, and I gotta say... Hollywood Studios is actually really great in the morning. There was no one there. And so I went straight to the back and uh, to a Grand Avenue and stuff. No one was back there. There were characters just coming out and meeting people. So like Goofy was back there. The Mickey and Minnie meet and greet had no wait. Chip and Dale were just running around and then they got in line uh, or they got in a spot for people to line up for and there was no line. Uh, Even Stormtroopers were just walking around and um, like you know, having some fun with the guests. So Hollywood Studios, as you know, as many problems as it has currently, if you can get there in the morning, um, they actually do a pretty good job of making you feel like they're putting effort into it. I, I don't know. Like it doesn't suck so bad. <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't want to say it like that, but pretty much, yes. But you know what's funny to me, especially at Walt Disney World, when I lived in Florida, had an AP, and non-Disney people found out that I would go to Disney often, and they would always say, don't you get tired of going? Isn't it the same thing? And I'm like, no, because as Derek, you just have shown, you can spend, you can go to on one trip and spend all the time in one park, and then the next trip barely even touch that park. And and even if you, if you really, you know, kind of did that kind of trend, and you went monthly, you wouldn't even see the same park for, for four or five months. So, um, no, you know, it, it's funny how that goes. Like, you spend a lot of time in Animal Kingdom one trip, and then you barely step foot into another park. And then the next trip, it's it's Hollywood Studios. So who knows what the next trip will be? Yeah, it's so true. Um, in fact, the first, time I, the first day I went to Hollywood Studios, it was basically to ride the rides. And so on the second day, when it was just to kind of walk around, take some pictures, and experience the new Walt Disney Presents. Like, it, it even then felt like a second, a different park from the one I'd visited just two days before. Uh, but I did see the new Walt Disney Presents, which we talked about a few weeks ago. This replaced One Main Stream. Uh, I think it's great, honestly. Like, they kept everything you loved about One Main Stream, but there are many, many more pictures of Walt. I mean, most of the pictures you've seen before on blog posts or Twitter or whatever, um, other museums... But they just have oversized pictures of him throughout. Uh, it still has, like, it has the multiplane camera and the video explaining how that works. It has all the models of Main Street and Disneyland and Paradise Pier. Um, it's got a really cool scale model of the Tower of the Four Winds, which stood outside uh, It's a Small World at the 1964 World's Fair. Uh, and most recently, at the end of it now, they have models of Toy Story Land. And a very, very small model of Galaxy's Edge. Like, did you guys see the pictures of the Galaxy's Edge model at D23? Yes. Okay. Like, it's huge. Like, it showed all 14 acres, but scaled down. This has taken, like, one acre from that and put it in a little corner. And I think the idea is, like, every month they're going to switch it out for a different section. Oh. So you don't see the whole thing at once. No. And I was under the impression that you would. Those turds. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is super lame. You turn the corner and you're like, oh, that is one building. But Toy Story Land, it's the whole thing. 
really, really tiny, obviously. And I gotta say, it's looking exactly like I feared it would. Mm. Like a... Cartoony. Yeah, like a playground, kinda. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. The thing I was... When I expressed my concerns a few weeks ago... Uh, reflecting the Disney Studios Paris version. It wasn't the kitschiness. I know there's going to be like connects fences and hanging monkeys and and building blocks in the middle of nowhere. I expect that. It's just the the quality. I don't mind the playgroundy, whimsical backyard toy thing going on. I I think that's kind of cute. Yeah, no, I'm okay with that. I think what will make the difference is the landscaping. There just didn't seem to be a lot of trees and, like, rocks and stuff in the in the um, concept model. You know what they're going to do? Yeah, what? I think, I, I don't know how much they have to work with, but it. looking at it, I mean, it's like you're in the backyard, right? Because the surrounding fence looks like a, like a fence, like a somebody's yard privacy fence or something i bet we'll see a lot of things from the honey i shrunk kids playground over there i don't (laughs) know how much grass they have but i bet that's what it's gonna be lots of grass and you know the play-doh and things that make sense to be in there i i can't and i don't blame them squirt gun the squirt gun yeah i think that'll be kind of nice to have that but yeah there was a squirt gun right yeah like a super soaker or something yeah yeah. Like the old school super soakers. Right, right. I mean, I don't think they're going to go for like trees and things. I think they're going to go for like fake grass and things that make you feel, you know, shrunk down to the size of a toy. Okay. But you know what I mean, though? Like New Fantasy Lane, one of the things that makes it so great is just like all the lush trees throughout the mine train and stuff like that. And if Toy Story Land just feels like the pictures I've seen of Paris or even Hong Kong or wherever it is in Asia, it's just like a roller coaster. Just like, here's the roller coaster. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, on concrete. Yeah. Yeah, asphalt. I don't know. Mm. What'd you call me? <laughs> well, speaking of that, Alien Swirling Saucers <laughs> also has a, a little model of what the attraction vehicle looks like. It is straight up Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an alien driving a vehicle and then attached to his vehicle by, like, you know, a long is the actual vehicle you sit in that I assume is going to, like, swing from left to right. Is this based on, what is, Toy Story 2, when the alien drives the vehicle, when the aliens drive? Remember that? Oh, no, it's it's like it's like an actual little flying saucer. Right. Oh, yeah. I thought, because remember, they drive the car at the end the of... Van. The van. Uh, yeah. No, 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 it's, it's like as if they, you're in their spaceship. A little toy. Oh. So, I mean, I, it makes sense. Like, people, a lot of people on Twitter after Mater's Junkyard Jamboree opened were like, oh, it's so cute. It's so much better than we expected. So I'm sure Disney instantly was like, how could we bring this to Hollywood Studios? <laughs> well, and it's cookie cutter. It's always easier to just copy and paste than it is to come up with a original concept. Yep, that's true. That's how I got through college. Ah. <laughs> uh- yeah, so that's uh, Walt Disney Presents. The marquee out front looks awesome. I'm sure you guys have seen pictures of that. Um, it looks like, you know, an old theater would, and it has, like, inside you'll find Star-Lord and Groot and coming soon, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, Star-Lord and Groot are still in there. And also at the very end, past Galaxy's Edge, they have some costumes, kind of like they used to do in the great movie ride queue. They had 
uh, some Doctor Strange costumes inside that were worn in the movie, and they had the suit that Tom Hanks wore in Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so one man's dream might be gone, but other than the film at the end, I really feel like they, they kept true to what that attraction used to be. Are we going to bring up, can we bring up the fact that our long national nightmare is slowly coming to an end? What? It started to die uh, seasonally. <laughs> and then recently, Stitch's Great Escape, of course, has been turned into a meet and greet location rather than an actual attraction. What? You didn't see this? No. Yeah, the sign has been changed to stitches. It still says stitches, but then just like a sign has been placed over the words Great Escape that says Alien Encounter. (laughs) And we went there yesterday because I wanted to see how they had transformed the room. And and it was all blocked off. Now it's just stroller parking. Like strollers are blocking the door. And there were two cast members and we asked them when it would be ready. Or if Stitch's Great Escape is coming back. And they were like, Stitch's Great Escape is coming back. It'll probably be open in December. They haven't really told us a lot about the meet and greet. I was like, so how is the room going to be set up? Yeah, they just haven't really told us anything. So, but yeah, the sign has been changed. So, interesting. Totally, yeah. So, you know, maybe one step closer. Just just one step closer to to, to shut that thing down. Yes. Uh, now, it, it, I, I wish they would have hung up Stitch's Great Escape under new management. Now, meet and greet, character meet and greet. That would have been perfect. Oh, no. Well, that's funny because isn't he part of Tiki Room in Tokyo? Yeah, which people like, you know, so. Don't do that, though. Don't do that. No, no, no. Don't don't touch my Tiki. Don't oh, get any ideas. I just remembered something else I did in Hollywood Studios. One of the reasons I went there is to see the... Uh, projection show that's not star wars they do that disney movie magic now oh yeah yeah yeah. how was that you know what it was pretty good i mean it it doesn't break the mold of projection shows they're still just projecting on the chinese theater and the two screens on either side uh but it pretty much any live action disney movie you can think of gets at least a second of attention in this show like it goes so fast you'd probably have to watch it three or four times to get every reference really what about shipwrecked i don't know if i'd recognize it if i saw oh man it's like a kid with a mullet back in the early 90s okay it was a good movie i still i actually have it on dvd i used to watch it all the time as a kid if there's any shipwrecked fans out there send us an email because uh i'd like us to to bond it actually did a really good job of using the chinese theater but yeah you saw all the marvel movies of course you saw like um, Oz the Great and Powerful, Maleficent got quite a bit of attention, Tron had a really cool scene, and then, you know, Hocus Pocus, and Miracle, and Remember the Titans, and it just it just went by, like, so quick, and it's enjoyable, so, you know, check it out when you're in Hollywood Studios. Okay, so the only other, only other thing I had before I get to the Epcot stuff is the You Are Here mugs. Now, we've tweeted about this, but we haven't really talked about it. It looks like Disney is doing like a 2.0 second generation of all of these You Are Here mugs. Have you guys had a chance to see any of the new ones yet? Yeah. Yes. I, I this, this is this is classic Disney. This is classic anything in this culture. Anyway, <laughs> of something is mildly popular. People like it. And part of the reason people like it is because it's unique. But let's 
beat it until it is absolutely dreadful and no longer, you know, uh, unique anymore. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. In fact, I don't even really like them all that much. I The Hollywood Studios one is my favorite. It's got the Alien Swirling Saucers, Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, the entrance, like that Art Deco type entrance, and then the camera statue guy. And it's it's like a navy and a Kelly green. It looks really good. Yeah. The Magic Kingdom one is all fantasy land. So it has the hippo from It's a Small World, Peter Pan's Flight. It's got the mine train. It's got the sword in the stone by the carousel. It's just all fantasy land. And it's really, really busy. Yeah. Here's the thing I don't like about these. And it started with the, um, it started with the Hollywood Studios one when they put in the dragon. Which I know that you that you love, but what I liked about those mugs from the from the beginning is that they were subtle and minimalist in their representation of the parks. It wasn't just like flat out. Here's a character from this thing, and the dragon was nice. But now we're getting into this; it gets a little squirrely. The only thing that's squirrely is that you know they know that people collect these, like me. Like I, I like getting them. And so now it's like, dadgummit. Now there's going to be like seven for the Magic Kingdom when it's all said and done. Then they'll start doing them for individual attractions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, if they do one for Fantasyland, surely they're going to do one for the other lands. I'm sure they will over time. But it's like, dang it, now I have to buy it. <laughs> but here's the thing. They're, they're going to build a Starbucks in each land, and you're only going to be able to get the mug in that Starbucks. So you have to go to Fantasyland Starbucks and then you have to go to Tomorrowland Starbucks. Because, you know, Starbucks transcends all themes. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, listen, I am the king of buying mugs. In fact, I bought one on this trip and I'm also a completionist, but I had no trouble saying no to the Magic Kingdom one. It was just too busy. I, I didn't care for it. And the Animal Kingdom one, I didn't go over there in person, but it's just Asia stuff. Like, it just has a big tiger on it. I guess to represent Maharaja Jungle Trek. And it's got Expedition Everest. It's got uh, maybe Cali River Rapids. But it's all stuff that's in Asia. And I'm like, why would you make an Asian, an Asia-specific mug? Because it's only available at the Starbucks found in the Yak and Yeti. <laughs> no. It's just weird. I, I don't know. Like, there's so many things. Like, th why would... Why would you put out a new mug the year Pandora opened and not put anything Pandora on it? Because... On the planet of Pandora, Starbucks has not been established yet. So when the Pandorian Starbucks opens, then it will be available. All right. Come on, man. It's synergy. I hope you're wrong, and I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> but I wouldn't put it past this Disney-Starbucks collaboration. So anyway, all right. Well, let's get to Epcot. This Sunday, it celebrated its 35th anniversary. 35, not a huge year. I mean, obviously 35 years is an accomplishment, but it's not, you know, like a 50, for instance. So Disney did a few things. Mostly what they did was make a ton of money off of merchandise. Fanboys. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And there were so many people there. So I got there probably 30 minutes before the park opened and they let you through the turnstiles, but everybody's basically waiting by those leave a legacy tombstone monument things <laughs> and uh they are blasting just like opening day songs so like universe of energy they were playing uh living with the land they were playing... was it like the original entrance loop or like just the straight up songs it did the entrance loop have lyrics no it was that 
80s synthesizer sound. Oh yeah, no, I've heard that. They were not playing that. They were it was basically just like a a playlist. Okay. Well, that's those, cool too. Those old songs. It was really cool and people were singing along and it was fun. And then and as you look around like there were so many people dressed up. A lot of people just had Epcot shirts on throughout the years. But we saw like a lot of figment bounding going on. There were people with like his horns on like a headband. Um there were we saw two girls wearing basically like a Captain Neo jacket. Um just lots of retro stuff. That was kind of the theme of the day, which brings me to the merchandise. As soon as they opened the gates, people flocked straight to the uh, pop-up shops that were selling the pins. The Art of Disney, or no, the store right behind Art of Disney was that was the only place where you could buy all the merchandise that said I was there. And that line instantly backed up like all the way to the turnstiles. And this thing is past Spaceship Earth when you walk in. Um, People were telling me they waited two hours for things. I went to Mouse Gear, and it wasn't too crowded as you browsed, but people, kind of like Black Friday, would grab what they wanted and would go straight to wait in line, and so the line to check out was just, like, you know, snaked all the way through the store. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I'll just wait till the end of the day. Whatever's left, I'll get it. (laughs) It just was not worth that, you know? An ink pen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. The one thing I wanted was like the reusable bags they sell that had the Epcot 35 artwork on it. $5. I was like, surely these won't sell out. They had a ton of them. And then by noon, when we went back in, they were already gone. Oh. Yeah. And luckily at the end of the day, randomly in Gateway Gifts, it was the only place left that still had them. So I, I was able to get one. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad for you. You let us down to to build us back up. That's right. That's how this podcast works. <laughs> That's the only thing I... No, I did get a mug. I got that, and I got a mug. And then, of course, the map and the button that they were handing out. Um, okay, so the only thing, really, that Disney did... other They had some D23 things going on, if you were a gold member and you got one of the tickets. Uh, but for regular guests, they did a presentation at 10.01. Get it? October 1st. And... The vice president or president of something something came out. Oh, I love him. He's so cool. <laughs> it was a woman. <laughs> oh, her, I mean. It used to be a him. It's a long story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? There may have been a guy right after her. But they gave the exact same speech, basically, that was given at D23 about we're trying to make Epcot more relevant, more timeless, more Disney. Um So it was kind of like, okay, that's nice. But the best part was they had two musical performances. The Mariachi... Shoot, what's their name? Cobra. Cobra. Cobra? Cobra? Yeah, I like that. Mariachi Cobra, I think, yeah. Oh, terrific. They came out, and they were talking how I think four of them are original original opening day cast members. They are easily, and it happened recently, like in the last year, my favorite world showcase like entertainment of course there's not much good these days so um they're great they are really good now when you when i usually pass them there are only four or five of them oh no it's like the whole string section brass section they're under that little the little porch there next yeah. to the uh, across from where the margarita thing used to be i've only ever seen like the whole ensemble there's like 15 of them the baby i just don't pay enough attention 12 huh. maybe but they were all up there on stage. They did a great job, got a huge response from the audience. 
And then they did this little flag ceremony. Uh, it wasn't even flags. They were holding up poles, and on top of the poles were big signs, basically, almost like you're at a rally, you know? Yeah. And there was one for each country. There was one for Future World, and maybe one other one. It was kind of lame, to be honest. Like, I would have preferred if they had actually if they had actual flags from those countries. I think when it was your or Aaron or somebody, one of the 15 people I follow's video, that um, yeah, it looked silly because they were playing like the the Tapestry of Dreams yeah, soundtrack. Yeah. Mela. That oh, Wela, Wela. Uh, I get that confused with Mahe Wa these days, but... You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, good call. Yeah, but, like, they were just holding signs that had basically sketch drawings of the pavilions. Huh. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just carry an Italy flag? I, I don't get it. Is it those ones that I wish they'd make in the posters that you could buy? Probably. They're yeah. on the two gift stores. Yes, exactly. The end. I like those. I don't know about parading them around, but right. But <laughs> I, like, yeah. I like the artwork. Uh, so they did that, and then they finished. It was only like a twenty-minute ceremony. They finished with Voices of Liberty coming up, and they were wearing like red and blue suits and um, dresses, and they sang a medley of Epcot songs. So they sang Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit. Oh. They sang New Horizons. Uh, let's see. They sang One Little Spark briefly, Making Memories. Um, what's the other? There's another one that Sherman Brothers wrote for Magic Journeys. Okay. They say Magic Journeys. And then it was funny to me because they finished with Golden Dreams. So even though World Showcase is a salute to all nations, <laughs> they it's mostly America. <laughs> well, they mostly literally America. they literally ended on the word America while the mariachi band was standing right behind them, <laughs> <laughs> and like all the flags are lined up in front of the stage, and they're like America. Oh, uh, we're uh. still the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and at the end, I'm like, I don't know if I'm clapping for America or Epcot. Yeah, America. But that's how it ended. And then, of course, confetti. I wish somebody would have sang the original um, Rio Del Tiempo song, which, God help me, I don't know the name of. It's that da 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 Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Oh, that would be great. The band should have played that. Actually, I think it's da 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 Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> La cucaracha. Oh yeah, there we go. That's more offensive. You're doing the chicken dance. Yeah, I, I thought it, I, it's El Pollo dancing. Uh, ah, yes, of nice. course. Yes, yeah. El Pollo bailar. <laughs> That's to dance. We are multi-bilingual on this show. Moving on. I wish that they also would have done um, the Canada song because out of all the songs in World Showcase, oh. that is. Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, they should have done that. Give some equal representation you know uh, my favorite was when the the whoever started it the lady i i'm sorry i don't know her title or position when she opened it she was like hello thank you all for being here you know everybody cheers we are so glad that you came to epcot to join us for the food and wine festival being totally serious and i'm like oh that is not why we are here and you know it <laughs> it was just a bizarre way to start it Actually, we're announcing that the Food and Wine Festival is uh, going to be year-round, and yeah. it's going to be a part of the name change. It's now Epcot yeah. Wine Festival Park. Festival Park. 
<laughs> it would not surprise me at no. all. Nope. Uh, yeah, so that was really the only thing Disney did, other than at the very end of the night, they added a very brief tag to Illuminations. Um, but the rest of it was just them making a ton of money off of merchandise that said Epcot 35 on it. But I gotta say, even though Disney didn't do a ton between 10 o'clock and 9 o'clock p.m., like, it was just fun being there because everybody who was there was excited about Epcot, you know? Like, I walked by people that I'd seen on YouTube. I walked by other Instagrammers. I walked by uh, Imagineers. Like, we walked right by Tony Baxter and Bob Gurr. In fact, we, we passed by Tony Baxter again at the end of the night. We were standing right beside him, and we were about to say something to him, but then they, like, escorted him through a back wall. Um, through a wall? <laughs> through a wall. <laughs> he's a ghost, you guys. He, he's, a, he's a wizard. <sighs> it was just exciting, though, you know? Like, everybody everybody was wearing Epcot stuff, and everybody loves Epcot, and it was cool. Yeah. Now, we were there for the 30, 30th anniversary. Do you remember this, Derek? So, did, was it kind of that same atmosphere? Or, at the time, you were not... I mean, we we were not there specifically for Epcot 30th celebrations though so i guess it kind of was a different feel yeah but from what i remember it was very similar in fact i think the tag for illuminations was the exact same tag yeah oh i'm sure because i saw your uh your instagram video and it, it felt like the earth was exploding and and that's that's what i remember from the 30th it was like yeah epcot boom 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 oh gosh epcot yeah Yeah. and i gotta say i was a little disappointed like i thought they would play epcot an epcot medley and i didn't recognize a single song they played in the tag it might have been it might have been the original entrance loop i mean parts of it but i thought it would be like you know making memories or I don't know. Just another part of me. The best Illuminations tag that they have ever had is the Walter Cronkite uh, Let There Be Peace on Earth, whatever, at the end of uh, Mm. the holidays. That is good. Um, Now, they could have played Card Walker's Epcot speech there during the tag. You know, that would have been nice. Yeah, you're right. No, it just didn't feel very Epcot, but it looked good. I love the reflections of China song. (laughs) Oh, it goes, China is so depressing <laughs> in this movie. Wow. No, I like the 25th anniversary tag the best of all of them. It didn't really have anything to do with the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World, that is, uh, in 1996. But it was it was just a fun little. That was like the first time they did like non-classical music to Illuminations was, was that. And it was, I liked it. Okay, well, I didn't see that one, but I'm with you, Jeremy. The, the holiday one chills. So good. Totally. Yep. So, Illuminations ended. Uh, oh, I forgot to say. So, the best thing that they did all day, they were just piping original opening day music. So, especially when you were by Fountain of Nations, you could hear it so loud and clear. It was so obviously 80s Epcot, and I was living for it. Because, like, how often do you get to hear that inside the park, you know? Yeah, they somebody tweeted something to the effect of all we did was change out CDs and everybody lost their mind. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, do it more often. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, I love the new music too. Like they play Iron Will and they play Rocketeer over by the fountain, and that's great. But like to hear that classic Epcot music was really cool. Um, th- s- terrible side note. 
But if you like old Epcot, I'm not like a major dweeb here, but it's okay. Um, there's the new Fox show, The Orville, which is awful for most things. But if you like, like I feel like I'm watching a, a, a TV show based on old future world. Between that and like Star Trek Next Generation, which I've kind of gotten into, God help me. Um, there's carpet all over the ship and like on the walls. I'm like this is like Body Wars. The whole the whole thing is. Let me pro- uh, throw a show too. If you like the decaying state of Hollywood studios and the depression <laughs> that it induces, check out BoJack Horseman because it kind of has a Hollywood <laughs> studios feel to it. Okay, they are going on my cue. Um, the only other thing that I recall from the Epcot celebration was as we left, Illuminations is over. Um, they went back to playing the music that they were playing when we first entered the park that morning. So they were playing medleys of old songs. And as you walk closer to Spaceship Earth, they were projecting not the Siemens logo, but they were projecting like the number 35 real big. And then they showed like a map of the world and they would come back to 35. They showed the original Epcot logo, you know, that kind of looks like a... I don't know. What does that look like? Like a flowery, a flowery earth. Yeah, yeah. It looks like those old. I don't. This is not going to work because I'm not going to be able to explain it well. But you could buy them at like science centers, and they would like collapse. A gyroscope. Something, something like they would. It was metal, and it would collapse into a small flower, or you could expand it into like a big one real quick. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, but the best part was they started playing Universe of Energy as part of part of the playlist and so many people in that little courtyard started dancing and singing along it didn't even get to the chorus and it just moved to the next song like it cut it off <gasps> and me included everyone said "Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny it was so sad bunch of nerdy fanboys I love it yeah. <laughs> like you know like the average everyday family that just happened to be in Epcot on that day had to be like, what is wrong with these people? What are we missing? What happened today? <laughs> like this, what? Is the, is the park closing? Is <laughs> yeah. Like, why are these people booing a song? I, never heard a song. <laughs> I didn't even hear that today. Oh, man. You, well, there had to have been families who that was just their Epcot day on their vacation. Who were like, what is happening today? I would argue probably half of the crowd did not know it was Epcot 35th until they walked in the gate and said, oh, well, there you go. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'll wrap this up by saying I did get a map for you, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll send that to you. And so they were being pretty stingy in the morning. So I got two maps when I walked in. I asked for a second one and she was like, Okay, but but just one more. I was like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I was just asking. I don't want you to get fired, ma'am. But... Yeah. So then, and she gave me a button. I only got one button. And then we walked around. And when we got to International Gateway, you know, that's another entrance. So we walked up to it and I was like, oh, look, they have maps here. And so I got a map there and I got a button there. Again, being pretty stingy. In fact, when she handed me the button, she kind of looked at me like, do I recognize you? But then, at the end of the night, as we were walking out and we got close to the maps, the map stand, which was empty by this point, a cast member came up with, like, one of those two-level carts, and on both levels were, like, three boxes each, just filled with maps. 
And so she took a knife and she ripped it open and she was just like handing out piles and piles of maps. Because <laughs> oh, what are you going to do cool. with them the next day, you know? And so I got, I grabbed like six or seven. Um, so what I'm going to do, I think, is I'm just going to send these to a few listeners who would love a special Epcot 30 map. Like it's got the great artwork on the front and then it completely... 35. Oh, I'm sorry. 35. Yeah. I'm not giving you my 30 map. Uh-uh. <laughs> I lost mine. Oh, oh I still have mine. Yeah, me too. But anyway, when you unfold the map all the way, and it shows like a timeline of Epcot. So it, it shows like the living seas and all sorts of things that were there in 82. And then it goes all the way to like Frozen Ever After and Festival of the Arts. So it's a cool keepsake. Um, listeners, if any of you are interested, I've got like five or six. I'd be happy to give away. Just send an email to comments at madchatters.net. Write something like Epcot 35 in the subject and send them by, let's say, next Sunday... What is that? You better say something nice too. Don't just don't send us an email and be like Epcot thirty five. I'm not sending you a map. <laughs> Actually, tell us tell us about um, if you like shipwrecked or not. That's what I really want to know. <laughs> tell us if you like shipwrecked, yes or no, and then tell us something you love about Epcot. How's that? And send it to us by Sunday, four, five, six, eight, seven, 15th. Oh, I'll give them more time than that. Sunday the fifteenth by midnight. And then I'll send five listeners a map. We got one map for each listener. Oh, look <laughs> at that. And one to spare. Still got an email, though, so we know who you are. All right, get out your smartphones and get on the Twitter because it's time for another Disney hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's got a whip after it. Uh, No, this has the woohoo or whatever noise that is. That was a homage to you. Oh, thank you. Yes. This hashtag is hashtag ruin a Disney restaurant. Uh, So we're going to ruin Disney restaurants with a hashtag and we want to hear from you don't do it yet wait till you hear our our comedy first and then get on twitter and join us at hashtag ruin a disney restaurant should we put the article in there just ruin disney restaurant probably the article yeah Yeah. that's that makes more sense ruin disney restaurant (laughs) all right so uh derek go ahead and start us off with your hashtag Ruin Disney restaurant. Ruin a Disney restaurant. Lord. <laughs> well, you know you're going to throw peanuts on the floor at Raglan Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. Irish peanuts. <laughs> Irish peanuts. Uh, get out your yarmulke. It's time for Ohanic. <laughs> <laughs> Ohanica. <laughs> They don't, that's why they don't serve pork anymore. It's unleavened pineapple bread. Mm. <laughs> wow. That's okay. terrible. Well, uh, I'm going to continue the theme. Get out your lipstick because if we're going to the nine drag queens. 
All nine of them. Um, well, we can go back in time to the 50s primetime segregated cafe. <laughs> that was one of mine. Nuh-uh. Yeah. That's funny. That's terrific. <laughs> Be careful. It might... Do we have... We're not I know. Doing tax <laughs> you just said. <laughs> I love that we're coming up with catchy intros for all of these. Well, this is fun though. Um, the Crystal Math Palace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better. I thought of Crystal Palace, but with a K, and they serve the fast food burgers. Oh, uh, that might be better than the dinner buffet. To be honest with you. Ooh. Uh, Casey Anthony's Corner. <laughs> 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 the hot dogs eat you. <laughs> Over at Pop Century, you can eat at the food court everything poop. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really dumb. That's low that? hanging fruit yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, low hanging fruit. Hey, if I add an O to that word. <laughs> well, speaking of poop, <laughs> <laughs> you can also visit Cinderella's Royal Changing Table. Yes. Mm. Or Columbia Harbor Outhouse. I like that one. <sighs> Pinocchio's Village People House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Up in the club. I like that one. Uh, I don't want to be a real boy. I want to be a macho, macho man. <laughs> Uh, I like to eat at um, the Cubic Zirconium Horseshoe. Wait, what is it? Oh, it's a diamond. Oh, that's good. It took yeah. me a second. That's clever. It's a thinker. Yeah, it was. I hear you can order the kitchen sink at Beaches and Hemorrhoid Cream. <laughs> <laughs> Be sitting in the kitchen sink. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross. Our juices are flowing the night. Yeah, this is good. You guys, I'm impressed. After the last debauchery that this was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've, we've been taking Jeremy's how to play the hashtag game courses. Yeah. That last time. You would be amazed at how many messages we have to exchange to, for me to figure out how to do this. <laughs> I only have one more. I have lots. But okay. she did like three in a row. Just fire them off. Go. Uh, Backdoor Express. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, how about taking a nice dinner down at the Loud Obnoxious Canyon? That's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, you can't really ruin it. Just label it honestly. <laughs> the Columbia Whorehouse. <laughs> I had to give credit to my wife on like half of these. Uh, we were sitting down doing like kind of. Thinking of these together, she had the best ones, including Ohanika. Nice. Uh, my wife Jessica. Um, <laughs> Tails end. Tails end. Like a butt. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Derek. <laughs> Am I the only one left? Am I just reading the rest of mine? Here, I'll read my last one. Okay, so you know you can eat at Jock Lindsay's Hanger Bar. But what if you could eat at Lindsay's jockstrap hanger? Oh. Oh. Doesn't sound sanitary. (laughs) (laughs) 
you 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 can go to Art of Animation and eat at uh, Landscape of Flavors. Did you all know that? Yeah, I've been there. Uh, but you probably don't want to eat at Manscape of Flavors. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> Excuse me. There's there's a hair in my food. You're welcome. Yeah. This might be an improvement, actually. The Spice Girls table. <laughs> <laughs> I would eat there every trip. <laughs> Can I take your order? Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really want. Bravo. Uh, Coral Reefer restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Only after that, I realized that the Coral Reefers are also Jimmy Buffett's band. But, you know, I'd go for that. I thought of Coral Reefer, but I knew both of you would say, no, that sounds a lot better. Uh, if it's Jimmy Buffett themed, yeah. Yeah, why not? Fish, Jimmy Buffett. Um, Yak and Eddie's. <laughs> Who's Eddie? He's some guy that's yakking. <laughs> yakking is in vomiting. That was a Jessica one. Uh, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got three more. My word. <laughs> Thank Jessica. Yeah. The, this was mine though. The Coma Cafe. Yeah, you're fed through a tube. And... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Lil Yachty's Steakhouse. And the last one, drumroll please, Monsieur RuPaul. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Oh, good times at the hashtag Ruin a Disney Restaurant. It's the beginning of October, which means we're about halfway through the Food and Wine Festival over at Epcot. So in this episode, we want to talk briefly about the Food and Wine Festival. Maybe we have some listeners who are planning on attending, uh, and we just want to kind of talk about what it is. So Matt, I'll throw it over to you. Why don't you uh, give kind of an overview of what Food and Wine is exactly and why it's such a popular event. Yeah, the Epcot Food and Wine Festival is the original festival of Epcot. Actually, the Flower Garden, Flower and Garden precede Food and Wine. I don't think so. No, no, no. I think you're right. Um, it's the annual Food and Wine Festival, and it is the original. We say original because if you listen to our show or just go to Epcot, you know that there's festival after festival these days. Adding one more this year with the holiday international festival thing, but. The Epcot Food and Wine is uh, the original. Been around for a long time and has grown steadily over the years, starting out with a few booths here and there that sold uh, just some kind of, not necessarily gourmet, but just unique food items from countries around the world, kind of building upon what's already there with uh, World Showcase and just kind of adding another layer to it. I think it really gained a lot of attention and I think we're on the downward spiral of this, the, the backside of this these days. But I think it gained a lot of attention kind of during the food truck, foodie craze, which I, I've, we're still in it. But I think we're kind of on the, 
the downslope on the the fanatic part of it. But it's got that vibe. As you walk around World Showcase, there are different pavilions, and they are they're nice little little like um, what you call them huts. Sounds terrible, but they're like little kiosks. Yeah, and they're themed to the the place they represent. Um, so like Thailand, India, Africa, all those things. And they each sell two or three kind of uh, food items, small plates, think, top, think tapas size uh, things, and uh, a few alcoholic beverages, not just wine, but like craft beers and different cocktails and things from the different nations they represent. Yeah, and it's grown every single year. This year they have exactly 35 booths in the honor of 35 years, but that's just a lot, you know? It is. Like, how do you choose... I mean, obviously, there's some you can immediately cross off your list, but there's no way you could do it all in one day. No, but like you have, you literally have to do it like every day. Yeah, just about. So, why do you think it's so popular? Because I feel like there's kind of been backlash the last couple of years, but it has just been one of those things where like people plan vacations around this thing. Yeah. Well, I think when it started, if I mean, I'm not, if I'm not incorrect, I mean, I was going to Disney World. 26 something years ago i was you know like five but i remember food and wine being kind of a thing i never went during october during that time when i was little but i remember it being a thing on the vacation planning videos and stuff and at that time it gave off the element that it was kind of uppity like it was gourmet food items and you know kind of centered around just wine i think what they've done in the recent years that's really built upon again the food truck foodie uh, you know, local farm-to-table craft things. I think building upon that in the last years has really appealed to a lot more people than just people who would go do kind of a snooty food and wine pairing, you know, with the craft beers and all that stuff. One of the things I like about it is it gives you a chance to try other cultures' food without, like, going all in. Like, if you, <laughs> if you, if you go to, for instance, Restaurant Marrakesh... You're kind of putting a, all your eggs in one basket. Like, if I don't like this, well, there goes my dinner, and I'll have to go pay for another one, even though I already spent a lot of money on this one. But this gives you a chance to pay $4, have a sample of it. If you like it, great. If not, it's it's not, you know, it's not a huge loss for you. Yeah. Which, to my wife, is a ripoff. So it's it's hard for me to convince her that this is a, this is a, a good thing uh, because, well, here's the thing. The only time like she's ever ordered something was she went to the Mexico um, pavilion, which was food and wine. It wasn't the, uh, like the regular Mexico place and got the tacos for like, you know, like six dollars or whatever they were. And there was literally like two small tacos. So that kind of ruined her on this. But if you're prepared, you know what's coming and you know what to get. Uh, you know, it's I, I've enjoyed it every time I've sampled things from it. Yeah, they, they make the uh, the map better and better each year it's not even a map like it's the little booklet that they give you with the stickers yeah and they they really do fill it with a lot of pictures of the food which is good and they list every single booth what what you can get food wise and what you can get drink wise at each booth so it is kind of nice to be able to plan what you're going to eat before you even start your tour of world showcase Mm -hmm. have you guys looked at the menus for this year yeah i did back in september has anything caught your eye for the festival? Yeah, the Africa Pavilion, which I thought was new, but it, I don't think it is, right? 
No, it's not. It's not labeled as new. But the Burberry or Berber style beef tenderloin tips with onions, jalapenos, tomatoes, and pap. Um, and the spicy Ethiopian red lentil stew with vegan yogurt and quinoa. I would get like both of those. Oh, and the spinach and pinier cheese pocket with mint raita. I mean, those three things together, that's a solid meal Yeah. in my book. Derek actually, and I'm an adventurous eater, but Derek in Nashville... Um, we ate at an Ethiopian restaurant one time, and they introduced me to Ethiopian food, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And all this is kind of centered around that kind of the Berber spice and the Ethiopian stews. I like all that stuff. So I, I, I dig that. And then the stuff in um, India, which is a new booth. Hold on, let me get there. Well, while you look, I will tell you that there was a dessert on the Indian menu that sounded delicious to me. It's the pistachio cardamom bunt cake. With chocolate coconut mousse. Mm, anything with cardamom in it. Like school bread. I love that flavor. Yeah, uh, India is another one. Well, I, I would order like all three things. The warm Indian bread with pickled garlic, mango salsa, and coriander, <laughs> cor, coriander pesto dips. So there's the pickled garlic, mango salsa, and coriander pesto dips. Three dips. Uh, the Madras red curry with roasted cauliflower, baby carrots, chickpeas, and basmati rice. And then there's the korma chicken with cucumber, tomato uh, salad, almonds, cashews, and warm naan. Get those three things. Top it off with the pistachio cardamom bunt cake with the chocolate coconut mousse. And that's an entire meal for, what, 15 19 under 20 bucks. Yeah, see, that's the thing about food and wine, like, you just did all that with one meal, and that was one out of 35 booths. Like, it's so hard yeah. to choose. Um, I, I, on the, I mean, I, we haven't really gotten the tips yet, but, like, if you're interested in these things, I would say don't really worry about booking a restaurant when you're at Epcot. Like, it's so easy to spend three or four hours here and just kind of get small plates along the way, and then before you know it, you're full. Yeah. I can tell you some of the items I've actually had this year and last year. Uh... One of my favorites was the spicy hummus fries from Morocco. I just really like the sauce that came with it, and I like the fries. Desserts-wise, I really love the chocolate baklava from Morocco. So tasty, even better than what they have inside the pavilion. Um, I also like the Kahlua pork slider with sweet and sour pineapple chutney and spicy mayonnaise. That's in Hawaii. Ooh, that is good. I have had that. And I actually liked the loaded Greek nachos that I got last year. It was pita chips with sausage and vegan tzatziki. Okay, now the thing I've gotten this year and last year because I loved it so much is unfortunately really, really small. Like, it's basically a shot glass, but it's peanut butter, white chocolate mousse with a caramel drizzle. And this is in the booth that the Chew puts on called Earth Eats. I mean, this thing is tiny. It, it was like three or four spoonfuls. But it is so good and so rich. And I would get it every year if they keep bringing it back. That's caught my eye on the menu when I saw that. I didn't realize it was the Chew um, booth. But uh, it sounded pretty good to me. Our, our friend Aaron posted something on his Instagram or Twitter or something. Some kind of a cheese thing he got. The quesito? Yes. Was that good? Uh, he said he liked it. Yeah. Um, let me look up the description. It was in the Islands of the Caribbean booth. Oh, it's a it's a puff pastry with sweetened cream cheese and guava sauce. Ooh. Yeah. It's like a cheese Danish with 
guava sauce. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, sweet and cream cheese. Uh, something I always go for, I see is on the menu once again, is in China. And it now it the stuff they put inside seems to change every year, but it's um, whatever they put in the bao buns. Uh, now you have to be prepared for the bao bun. It, it think of it as bread, but it's it's steamed, so it's not crusty. It's more spongy. I don't know. That doesn't make it sound very good. But they always stuff it with different things. Like they've done like kung pao chicken in the past, pepper beef or something. This year it says spicy chicken. But the bun is what makes it. There's usually like some pickled onions or something on there. Uh, that sounds delicious. Uh, a seasonal favorite that's always there, of course, is the pork sliders in Hawaii. They always seem to have a big following. So, uh, have you gotten those before, Matt? I did, but when we went in 2012... I was going to say, I, I remember getting those. I When we went in 2012, that's when I did like all of my snack credits at Food & Wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. And so in Hawaii, I got the Kahlua pork slider and the tuna poke, which I don't see on the menu uh, this year. But that those both were very, very good. Schnickel noodle... noodle schnickel... Schnickel... I can't say that. Schnitzels with no- schnitzel with noodle. Schinken noodle, pasta gratin, pasta gratin, with with ham and cheese. It's in Germany. Yeah, basically macaroni and cheese. Yeah, but if oh. it's like the mac and cheese that's in beer garden, I would take a bucket of that. I don't know which booth this is because it just says 2017 craft beers, but I it think has that's the booth. booth. Okay, it's the <laughs> zesty cheeseburger and cheddar cheese macaroni. Handwich? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is inside what used to be the Odyssey. Okay. Okay. It just sounded good to me. I don't have any other comment besides oh. that. <laughs> so a handwich, isn't that like the cones at DCA? Aren't they sort of handwiches? Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like that spirally, like, uh, you can hold it in one hand and eat out of it kind of a thing, Majigger. Yeah, when we went, we went into this festival center because they have an exhibit set up for the 35th. And so that's one thing you can do at the Food and Wine Festival. Besides eat, you walk through like this little thing that shows concept art of a bunch of old attractions and some upcoming attractions. Uh, but that line was really long, and I tend to think they were all getting that handwich. Handwich. Hmm. That's an that's a fun word to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did try two new things this weekend. First, I got the over at Active Eats. Uh, so there are three booths called Eats, I think. Like Earth Eats, Active Eats, and something else. These are over by Imagination Pavilion, kind of in between Future World and World Showcase. And they're all lit up. Like they have the string lights hanging up. It looks like a little garden. Like for some reason, this got like the fancy treatment as if these are above the other booths. I don't know. Uh, but they had like a cheese and wine booth. Uh, but at Active Eats, they had something that people kept raving about that I wanted to try. It was sweet avocado crema yeah. with strawberries, yellow cake, and tortilla streusel. So basically there was like a, a layer of yellow cake and then the cream and then a layer of yellow cake and then the cream. And there were like strawberries in those layers too. And then on top was like crumbled tortilla streusel. I've seen... Did you tried it? I did, yeah. And you like 
You liked it? It's It was really good and really rich. Honestly, it tasted like strawberry shortcake, though. Like, no, yeah. no avocado was coming through at all. Well, I've seen um, a lot of things popping up lately. Like, it's a little... Like, people are bored with regular avocados. <laughs> so, I've seen a couple of recipes pop up here and there that are sweet things to do with avocado. Which I think is intriguing in itself, just because people assume, you know, associate it with guacamole and savory stuff. But, yeah, it's just like a creamy, buttery. It really doesn't have a taste of its own, so you could do anything with it. And that's that's interesting to me, especially with the tortilla streusel. So that was just kind of like a little crumb topping, right? It was. And again, like, I really enjoyed it. I would get it again. I just, it didn't taste unlike desserts I've had before. Namely, strawberry shortcake. And namely, namely the one that it sounds a lot like. Uh, the dessert I got that was really disappointing was over at the Almond Orchard, sponsored by Blue Diamond. Ah. <laughs> That's the official name of the booth. It was the Banana Almond Soft Serve Sunday with Fresh Berries. Sounds delicious, right? Yeah, maybe. First of all, it was actually kind of big for a yeah. food and wine. It was like... You like posted a, a picture of this, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did. It, it was almost okay. a pint of ice cream, it felt like. <laughs> oh. And the soft serve itself was the banana almond flavor. Like, I, I'm not even sure there were almonds in it. I thought there would be slivered almonds in it, because it's a sundae. Yeah. But it was basically the banana almond flavored ice cream with berries. And then in the bottom of the cup, they had... Oh, and I'm sorry. It's called the Banana Almond Soft Serve Sunday with Fresh Berries and Crunchy Chocolate Oats. Okay. I didn't taste the oats, but what I did taste on the bottom, it looked like before they had put the ice cream in the cup, they just sprinkled sweetened cocoa powder. And then they put the ice cream and berries on top of that. So you didn't get the chocolate until the very bottom. And, and it was powder. Just, and it was just powder. That sounds terrible. I don't like almond-flavored things, typically. Oh, I, I love a... almonds, and I like almonds in, like, candy bars and stuff. And uh, I feel like a nut most times with, like, almond joys over over mounds. But um, I can't think of things I've had that are almond-flavored that I've liked or almond-scented. And when I, when, you, when I read that almond, banana, whatever you posted, I was like, ooh, that sounds mm, almondy. So you don't like almond bark? I don't know what that is. Uh, like you melt it and, and dip pretzels in it or whatever. Oh. Never mind. No, I, I really like it. But I did not I did not love this soft serve. I, I would I didn't finish it and I wouldn't get it again. I find and I'm I am i am praying for you yet that and and maybe maybe how many times do you try sweet things at the Disney parks and just really, 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 really like them? Are you saying I do it too often or not often enough? No, no, no. You're the the sweet guy. Like, oh, uh, you're the sweet guy in terms of like, like the things that you see on a menu. Yeah, yeah. Are all the sweets? I see all the savory things and like Indian and African and all that stuff that I'm reading on here. Um, but every time I've had an experience with like sweet things at Walt Disney World, minus a few favorite snacks like Dole Whip and stuff and the banana bread pudding or whatever. I'm always kind of disappointed, and I I feel like on this show that's kind of the the running gambit with the uh, sweet things. I do not disagree. In fact, since you brought it up, let me tell you about two things I tried this weekend that were sweet. Okay. 
I'll go backwards. The first one was a birthday cake Mickey scone at Big Top Treats. I love birthday cake flavored things like Funfetti cake, Funfetti cookies, that kind of thing. Yeah. We got the scone. There was not an ounce of birthday cake flavor in this thing. Like I expected to bite into it and see like the colored spots throughout. Yeah. It was just a plain scone. What made it birthday cake was there were rainbow sprinkles on top. Oh. It was so lame. Do not get it. Yeah, I saw you and and, uh, and Aaron both post this. I liked I like I liked Aaron's on on the social. Oh, I don't remember social Instagram or something like that. One of them social media phone things, and it was like a picture of the the, the scone. And then on the next page, it was like this was not an endorsement of the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, I knew it must have been not good or just disappointing. Absolutely. Ruben made the point that it just tasted like a sugar cookie, and that's true. But the other sweet thing I got was what I mentioned on the show last week. I said I wanted to try the, uh, quote, birthday cake bread pudding at Saratoga Springs. Let me start by saying it's not bread pudding. You know those poke cakes where you pour sweetened condensed milk and caramel over it, or like better than sex cake, or whatever you call it back in your town? It was that. But man, oh man, it was so good. And I would have gone back to the counter and gotten another one, except the line took forever. The cashiers were slow or something. I don't know. But it's at the Artist Palette. So I've never been to Saratoga, but it's the quick service restaurant there. And they have like the little pastry counter that you can order stuff from. And they had several sitting out, the birthday cake bread pudding. It was about the size of, I don't know, like a softball, but flattened. Oh. Uh, that that circumference, I mean. Yeah, I see, see. Yeah, so you've, you've reviewed four sweet things tonight. One was disappointing. Right. One was okay. One was not good. And one was really good. So I guess we've covered the spectrum. Uh, I don't know which four you're talking about, then. The strawberry thing was good. No. But not, nothing spectacular. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. The strawberry thing was good. The banana soft serve was disappointing. Because remember, on this show, bad means not bad. But <laughs> yeah, I would say the banana soft serve was slightly better than the Mickey scone, but both were disappointing. Well, see, with the Mickey scone, I'm just hearing like, okay, it's a scone, but there's nothing special about it. Yeah, but I like a scone, so I can't complain. It's just false advertising. Yeah. Maybe you needed a nice cup of tea to dip it in. It would have brought out the, the the birthday cake flavor. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, nothing was going to bring out the birthday cake flavor because it did not exist. Uh, Derek, I think I know the answer to this, but um, did you try anything from the flavors from Fire? It is a new booth that looks amazing. No. But Matt, if we had not gotten a reservation already that day, the first and only thing that I really, really wanted to try was the sweet pancake with spicy chipotle chicken sausage, onion jam, and maple butter syrup from this booth. Yes. Everything on this except the chocolate mousse, because I don't like dark chocolate, uh, really sounds delicious. Specifically the piggy wings, roasted pork wings with Korean barbecue sauce and sesame seeds. Um, And then there's a smoked corned beef with warm crispy potatoes, pickled onions, uh, and blonde ale beer fondue. I mean, 
It's like it's beer cheese. It's, it's yeah, a fancy yeah. name for beer cheese. All that sounds really good. Now, now, the one time I did try one of the barbecue booths, and I don't remember if it was food and wine or flower and garden. It was the one in the American Adventure, and it was not good. So that makes me leery of anything barbecue oriented. But those piggy wings with the Korean barbecue sauce sound terrific. Now, of course, folks, all of these booths that we're talking about feature beverages. Uh, we're, we're probably just not the podcast that's going to feature the in-depth review, at least an informed review <laughs> of all the beverages offered. But yeah, it goes beyond wine. So each of these booths that we've been listing also like has another side, which is beer, wine, and, and different flavored cocktails that are themed generally to, to the different booths. Do they still have the frozen liquor uh, popsicle thing at, in France? I'm looking at France right now. I don't see it. Man, that thing was good. Hmm. I tend to think, and I'm not sure, I tend to think that when this festival started, it was strictly booths that were themed to countries, like the Morocco, Spain, France stuff. And then only in recent years have they added things like flavors from fire and farm fresh and hops and barley, stuff like that. Well, see, no, that's the thing I was going to say is that it kind of went off the rails because they added, like, the Florida booth. And then they added the vegan booth. Remember that? The vegetarian booth. And so then that kind of just opened the door to, like, any kind of themed booth. Well, I don't mind that. I like the the various themes just because. Me too. I mean, it's a plethora of diversity. True, but I, I also like the cultural aspect of it as well. You know, like, oh, this is a flavor that is specific to a culture where, you know, off the fire, fire flavors, whatever that is. Like, where, where's that from? I think what they're trying to do is have a blend of cultural stuff, but then have a blend of, um, or a blend of the cultural stuff along with, like, hey, we're trying new ways to prepare food. And you can get it in America, but. It's, it's just prepared in a new way. Like, they have that liquid nitrogen truffle thing that last year was like, hey, we're doing this in a brand new way that you haven't seen before. So I think it's just like a way to show you how food is being made today. I'll tell you where not to go is the Intermissions Cafe. I don't... Is this an actual booth? What? Is the... I don't know. Asian chicken salad with noodles. It sounds like the boring booth that you need to go to if you don't like anything else. Uh, there's literally uh, grapes on the menu. Oh, you guys, the Light Lab. Have you seen pictures of this? I have, yeah. I was wondering what in the world that even is. Oh, you have to go see it. If you go to Food & Wine, I mean, I didn't order anything, but you it's in Interventions, which is not Interventions anymore, uh, but there's this big sign that says Light Lab around the corner, and you have to go through like this little weird hallway, and then you're in this kind of two-level room that is all blacklit, it's really uh-huh. dark in there, but like the big globes above you are lit up with black lights, and there are chalkboards all over that have like, fa- or they might be real, but they have formulas for different things, and it's set up like a lab with beakers and flasks, and they use cotton candy to make a drink, and they have a donut that glows in the dark. The glow nut. The glow nut. It's really, it's a really <laughs> cool place. Like they should have this open all the time. Oh my gosh, that's what it's really called. <laughs> is it really yeah yeah the glow nut uh the glow nut they do have two non-alcoholic beverages Derek, you could have 
vanilla tonic water and cotton candy. That's what the cotton candy. Yeah, Aaron ordered that, and he couldn't finish it because he said it was just sugar. That's oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's funny. We talked to the cast member. I said, okay, so what do you think about the glow nut? And she started to first explain what it is. She's like, well, first of all, it's as big as your face. And <laughs> what we do is we, we have some sort of icing, blah, blah, blah. And it, and it glows in the dark. So that's neat. And then she, she kind of paused and she could tell that I wanted more. So she was like, honestly, I mean, it just tastes like a vanilla donut. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, thank you for saving me money. I do not want that. It's the it's the kitsch that sells it. Yeah, but it's a cool it's a cool environment. And I think Epcot should have this all the time. Now, I'm going to ask the tough questions that everybody wants to know. If you eat the glow-in-the-dark donut, do you have glow-in-the-dark poop? Whoa. If there was a black light in your toilet, which yeah, I'm you sure know, you can find on Amazon. <laughs> I was going to say, my bathroom. <laughs> it's actually themed to, to the lab light, lo- the whatever the thing's called. It's called Poop Lab. Poop lab, there you go. Because uh, I inspect my fecal matter for many things, so black lights are, are a must. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but no, you know, like, remember years ago when uh, Burger King had the uh, the Whopper with the black bun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned everybody's poop like that weird green color? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's hilarious. I remember that, yeah. Google it, they had kid. the black bun at the uh, at Hollywood Studios on the Star Wars burger. Yeah, because I remember when that came out of DCA, people were tweeting, like, confirmed does not turn your poop green. <laughs> 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 oh, I just remembered they have that scavenger hunt right now, the Remy thing. Matt, do you remember we did the figment one and the prize were those actually kind of cool magnets, the figment magnets? Kind of cool. I mean, considering they could have given you a sticker. You yeah. can buy them now, right? Yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> I mean, technically, we bought ours. We bought the map. Yeah, that's true. But how much was the map? Five ninety nine, I think. Because that's what they're selling just the magnet for. So you got an experience Ooh, plus a magnet. True. I don't know about now. experience. Oh, it was fun. I like seeing I mean, the pictures. We kind of did it to get the magnets. Okay, what the thing with the ring? Well, what I was going to say was we went to to the place where you get the maps and I said can I see what prize we get oh yeah sure here you go and he reached behind him and he pulled out this map and hanging on the map were antenna toppers for your car like these things they it felt like it could crumble if you squeezed it too hard it was just that really cheap foam they were the size of a quarter and it was four different Remy's and like straight up into his face I was like oh okay thanks (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Disappointed. <laughs> exactly. They were so cheap. Uh, That's a shame. I mean, it is. It is. There's going to be a thing now. Scavenger hunt for every festival with a cheap prize. It's true. All right. Okay. Well, let's be real. If we're going to talk about the food and wine and we have to give full coverage, I feel like we should be honest about some of the cons that are involved with this festival. So what is it about this festival that you think is maybe a miss as opposed to a hit? This isn't Disney's fault. It's a con of the festival, but it's not. It's nothing they can improve upon. And, and it's good for Disney because it's so popular. But it is – weekends at Epcot during this thing are insane. And – I like when you're here in Florida as a Florida resident, one of the annual passes you can get is like Epcot after four. And I want to say there's like a weekend pass 
just for Epcot, like Saturday nights or something. It's it's very weird. Um, that's an annual pass. I'm sure people have just that for these things, and it is it's insane. Now some booths are more popular than others, obviously, but uh, like a Friday and Saturday night, it's going to be very very busy, and you're going to be waiting. A while for some of these things, some of the more popular items, I'm thinking like the Canada stuff, even when we went in 2012 in the middle of the day, um, not on a weekend, I had to wait a while to get the, the filet of beef from the Canada thing. So that's, I mean, it's a con, but it's not something that can be like, oh, let's fix this. It's a, it's a good thing. It's so crazy. You know what's funny, though? I think having more booths has actually fixed that problem. Because we didn't really encounter any long lines at all. And I was there two days this weekend. Well, Lottie died. Well, I, no, what I'm saying is... Like, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you're so right from my memories of food and wine. But as you're saying it, I'm realizing that I really... Not only did I not wait in the long line, but I really didn't pass any long lines either. So I wonder if the extra number of booths has helped that helped that i think it would also serve disney well to not have booths for things that are already there Mm. yeah i mean you do get some unique items say at mexico or in the germany pavilion for food and wine um you know thinking like ireland over near the uk and things like that you get some unique items that are understandable but like I said with Jessica, which, you know, this is all about knowing what to order and stuff, too. Um, she got two, you know, I mean, like, hand smaller than hand size, like, without your finger hand size, palm-sized tacos for, like, four fifty, almost $5. And you could get it, not saying it's the same thing, and I'm sure this is a little more intricate than what you get at the cantina, but a whole meal, like, three tacos, chips, and a drink for, you know, 10 or so. Um, that, that's one thing I don't, I don't know. And that's more about people just knowing what to order and what not to order, which is one of the things I would say, don't go to Germany, don't go to Mexico, get the things that are unique to, to this. Um, and I, I say that ha- having said, order something from China. That being said, it's not something you can get in the China pavilion all the time. Yeah, I know what you mean though. And I, I do think the prices are a little unreasonable just like the slightest bit too high for some of these portion sizes uh i i said earlier you could make a meal out of it you know take one loop and stop for four or five small plates but i I mean that's going to add up to 20 25 dollars and it's not going to be as much food as you would get at a restaurant for 20 25 dollars yeah so you just kind of have to choose whether or not it's worth it to you to get samplings yeah which i like stuff like that i really do yeah Eating a little bit of everything. One of the big cons we discovered last night, we rode Soarin' about five minutes before closing, and the people on it with us clearly had made a Grand Circle tour, if not two Grand Circle tours, of the wine booths, specifically. (laughs) They were hollering. They were walking crooked. I mean, this this crew... (laughs) had they need to be cut off which yeah our friends made a good point like how what percentage of people leave that park in their own car drunk sloshed out of their mind yeah i don't know disney typically has like a a limit but that's just a limit from like one place like a two drink limit per per place 
they probably should get some way and I don't know how to do it because everybody's different uh, with what alcohol they can take in without being buzzed and or you know drunk but uh, they should I don't know I guess you guys that are a bunch of stick in the muds well, I just don't we're, want people to die. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Just uh, come on, let's go. <laughs> well, that, well, that's the funny thing. The people on Soren honestly didn't bother me at all. But yeah, in the parking lot, it's like you see them walking to their cars, like getting out keys, and you're like, oh, maybe you should call someone. I mean, Disney should build like a little waiting room at the end, just in case you know you need to you need to chill out for a few hours, a little holding cell for people, a, b- a bottle of water. You got to do a breathalyzer to leave the park. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad idea. They can call a minivan. Uh, oh, like a minivan, like the minivan, right? Gotcha. Right, the Disney minivan. I was like, why a minivan? <laughs> <laughs> so they can sprawl out in the back seat. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of too many cons in terms of just they're just doing it wrong, because things that I might not like, somebody else might enjoy. So, you know, for instance, they even have the vegan booth this year, or they have just some options scattered around. You know, things that I would never order. Um, I appreciate that they're trying to appeal to a very broad range of tastes and whatever. Um, I like that. You can almost say they do too much. But then you don't want them to be so scaled back that you feel like they're not doing enough. 35 booths with whatever, three or four food items each, two dessert items each, and then like three drinks each is a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess that improves the repeatability, and which improves the, the money intake. So they're not going to back off from that. But um, I don't know. I can't think of anything. It's just like this is bad. Now that we're all used to it being like two months long – um, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, and it's kind of nice that if you don't care anything about the Food and Wine Festival, you can still enjoy Epcot as it is. Like, don't let that keep you from going to Epcot just because the festival's going on. You can easily enjoy Epcot as it is on a normal day, even though the Food and Wine Festival is going on around you. Mm-hmm. Which, kudos to Epcot that that's even possible. And... Like we said about our trip in 2012 with what I did, if you're on the Disney dining plan, I I think like most, if not all, of the food items are snack point eligible. So, I mean, if you're like me, like we were on that trip, and you're not just going to, you're not going to stop. Like, I'm not one, I'm, oh, I need to use my snack point. I want a little bottle of water. I'm not going to do that. But some people do, uh, Derek. But if you're <laughs> walking... We had, what, like five, four or five days? I don't remember how long we stayed in 2012. I just used all my snack credits. I got this item. I got like picked out four items or five items that I know I wanted, and I just got them. And that's great. You can also, something people do is load a Disney uh, gift card and use that. I don't understand why that's a big deal for people, but people seem to enjoy that. Of course, nowadays, I think you can just have your credit card and stuff loaded on your Magic Band. Well, I, I think they from... did that so they have a limit. Like, uh, I'm okay, going to yeah, spend yeah. $50, and when this card's gone, then I'm not going to spend anymore. And that way you don't really have to think about it too much. Yeah. But in terms of, like, the snack options, even if you're just using one snack option, compared to what you can normally get, 
I mean, there's going to be some items that are less than what you normally get, but quality-wise, sometimes even just the what you can get with it, because this isn't you know a bag of popcorn or uh, a bottled drink or a piece of fruit. This is an actual little food item, and that's kind of different for a snack item, and that's something that I always, if you're doing it, free free dining, which they probably don't do during this time, do they? Well, maybe. Sometimes they do it in the fall. We got free dining that time. No, I was going to say, with food and wine starting in August now, it there's definitely overlap. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, the more festivals they add, the less of a novelty food and wine becomes. Because now every festival has food booths. When they have the... I think they just got tired. Did they ever take the thing... I don't know when they started food and wine. I don't know. I don't remember what they used for the kiosks. I don't remember these like well-themed permanent buildings being there till like may- maybe 10 or so years ago. Yeah, some of them are really nice if that long. And they're there. I mean, they're like they're there. They're not moving them off and on during the during the um during the off season when they're not doing this festival. So I think it it provides them an opportunity to use that. And I think they're obviously making more money by having those open during all these festivals. So, I mean, it's just a given. You know, it started with the Flower and Garden. Let's see if it works. And then Flower and Garden basically became Food and Wine 2.0. And now they're doing the the Festival of the Arts. They did some food items for that. Not as many, but they did have some food items. Well, I'm sure Festival of the Arts will have more items next year because it's moving from weekends only to every day of the week. Uh, so. And... This year, the holiday thing um, becoming a more permanent, quote-unquote, festival with the holiday kitchens. Is that they're called? Holiday yeah, kitchens. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I like the. I think this. I think. I think it amplifies World Showcase to have these things. There are people that don't like this themed booth being near this country or whatever. I say whatever. It's supposed to be a big old showcase of all this stuff, so why not mix it up? Yeah, I like it too. And World Showcase doesn't change all that often. Like in the pavilions themselves, nothing really changes. So at least the booths give it more repeatability, I guess. Yes, but you know, the Bible say when every day is a festival, no day is a festival. Mm, It's true. Yep. Anyway, so overall thoughts, food and wine, would you recommend? Do you hate it? You know, I, I was just thinking about that as I was quoting scripture. It Maybe they ought to have a uh, festival of the booths. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, some Sukkot over there at oh, Hanukkah. Yes, let me just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to let that go. That's go. No, that's, that's good. I... I uh, lost my thought. Uh, recommend it. Uh, certainly, I certainly personally don't hate it. I like this kind of stuff. So recommending it to people would depend on what they like. You know, there are people that I that frequent Walt Disney World that live here in my town, and I would never recommend that they go up for Food and Wine Festival because they're going to hate the crowds. They're not going to like any of the food. They're not going to try any of the food. Uh, and they would just—it would just be a not a, a good weekend experience for them. But there's others that like being adventurous and like trying new things, and um, 
don't mind the little small plate tapas kind of they're not in other words they're not going to order it and then make fun of it like what's this like they understand how it works so if if you're that type that understands what it is and you enjoy trying new things and you're not necessarily a foodie but just someone who enjoys trying different kinds of food uh in this kind of setting then i would recommend it so it all depends on who you are and what you like whether i would say go or not Definitely. There has to be um, some preparation as far as some research and deciding what you're going to get, at least a mental picture beforehand. Uh, But then, like Matt said, also people who are able to handle the expectation because, you know, you know how some people are. They just when it's time to eat, they just want to sit down and have a full plate and eat. And so (laughs) they order a plate of something and then it just be a little handheld. Yeah, Yeah. that's all. Uh, ask yourself what what is your favorite restaurant yeah you have 50 bucks just for you and you've got a weekend to yourself and you live in a city where you can eat anything you want to eat um if you're going to go to the olive garden you're not going to appreciate food and wine festival (laughs) If you pick Outback, you're getting a little, maybe a little closer, but just you understand your tastes, what you what you like, because this isn't like it's just not for everybody. It's for a lot of people, but a lot of people are going to be very disappointed if they even order anything to begin with. Uh, where is the uh, Shoney's buffet on your level? Yeah. Of well, actually, they do have a few, like the one I read off of there. They they have the one place listed that has like the chicken nuggets like it's an actual like it's an actual booth <laughs> yeah the, ch- the yeah. bob's burger booth yeah if you get the appetizer sampler wherever you go food and wine festival might be for you yeah yeah that's a good thing um yeah so listeners if you've been this year if you've been in the past if you're going later this year let us know what items you really really liked or maybe what items you would avoid, and we can pass that along to our other listeners. That's what I really want to know, too. I mean, I, I want to know about the stuff you like. That's great. But I want to know about the stuff you hated as well. Have you ever had a terrible experience? You were extremely disappointed at Food & Wine. Yeah. Um, I know you weren't asking me, but that banana soft serve was the first time I, I didn't even finish it because I was like, man, this is lame. But everything else has been good enough to... At least give one thumb up to and to eat. Yes. Anyway, all that being said, that does it with our celebration of Epcot's 35th and our discussion of food and wine. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can always find us online at Mad Chatters on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Send those emails to comments at madchatters.net. We'll see you next week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Thanks for coming. I was there. How was everybody's week? Good. I'm ready now. Oh, okay. I had right, a good week. Enough small talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to tell you how my weekend it was on the show. That's true. Well, instead of Boma Flavors of Africa, they're considering opening opening Boma Flavors of African Elephant. Oh. Mm.
I'm going to cut that. It's really stupid. I just thought of it. Flavors <laughs> <laughs> of the African element. You said flavors, and it reminded me of boba. And then as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, don't say it. It's not good. Uh, well, I, too, uh, improved upon and or ruined boma. And my version is called Oboma, Flavors of Kenya. Oh. <laughs> All right, that was a thinker, and that was good. I like that one. Uh, <laughs> Oboma. Oboma. 